Hey, John Harris here with the Rock Metal Podcast. Join me as we get to go behind the scenes into what goes into producing records and making music as we interview some of our favorite and soon-to-be favorite bands. Today we're chatting with Nick Saren of Hong Fo for fans of Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, Mother of God, and One Inch Giant. We'll be chatting about Hong Fo's new album, Desolation Years, produced and recorded by Hong Fo themselves, mixed and mastered by Sebastian Forslund. We'll get to hear the story about how all of that came to be and so much more. So please stay tuned to the very end. But first, let's check in with our beautiful sponsors. Asher Media Relations, doing public relations for everything loud. For your band needs to be seen and heard in print, online, and radio, head over to ashermediarelations.com. That's ashermediarelations.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and get your band noticed. Syndical Music is a full-service agency for musicians offering record label services, marketing, branding, production, and management. Head over to syndicalmusic.com. That's syndicalmusic.com. S-Y-N-D-I-C-O-L music.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and take your music career to the next level. All right, Nick, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Go ahead and say hi to all of our beautiful listeners. Hi, all beautiful listeners. Hope you're well. I am. Sweden has sun. If it's anything like Canada, it's definitely dark and cold and dreary for a large portion of the year. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of dark and cold and dreary, let's chat about this record, Desolation Years, which is out now via Golden Robot Records. What was the greatest moment for you producing this record? It was pretty much, I want, it's going to sound a bit cliche, but it was um, every time we got together and actually recorded it because it was the height of the pandemic and everything was just pretty gloomy. And uh, just meeting up with these people and making this record was cathartic in a way, you know, just because obviously we're friends and all, but we, we were also doing something that actually mattered to us. So it was um, that and we actually didn't think it was going it was going to come out at all because the industry for a smaller sized band as ourselves didn't seem it didn't seem very positive at the time. So I would say that I mean I'm just amazed that it's out and people are actually listening to it. It doesn't matter how many albums we do. I can't speak for other musicians, but for us it's always the same. It's like you do this stuff, you do it the best way you can, and then people actually listen to it. It's always amazing when they do because you kind of it's hard to imagine that people sit down and listen to it. I don't know why, because I listen to music every day, so it's not something weird, but just our music? Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone listening in right now, raise your hand if that is something that resonates with you. I know it resonates with me. Somebody listened to my podcast? I almost get embarrassed when that happens in real life. Like, oh, no, you heard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's great. It is? Thanks. You know, I'm always kind of weird about that in, in, in real life, and I'm pretty sure it's something similar for you as well, Nick, when somebody says, I heard your record, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially when they, um, sometimes you meet uh, fans and stuff, especially when you're on the road, et cetera, and, and people want, some people want to talk about the songs and what they mean and all that stuff, and then they give you, like, an explanation about what the song means and what the words means, and it's not true but it's a better one than the actual intention so i just say yeah you're right you're right that's it that's it <laughs> that's a very, yeah it's a very very unique thing what's 
What's that like for you? Have you gotten used to that? Is it still an interesting? Do do you find maybe that some songs just kind of almost like a Venn diagram, like it 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 starts to mean something in particular to many different people? I think actually, as I've gotten a bit older, I've changed my perspective a bit. Because in the early days, I would probably grab you by the neck and tell you, no, you fuckface, this is what it means. And then because I was so serious and I was, you know, I was an artist and all that stuff. But now it's more interesting to hear these people news about this song and what it means to them. And that, I, I'm starting to think that maybe that's the achievement, you know, that they listen to something that you do and something starts spinning in their head and then something gets done up there and uh i don't i'm not a psychologist or anything like that but it's amazing that that these people are you know spending time with this music and it's making them think because it's not just i mean you can make music about tits and ass and, and having fun and all that stuff but we don't so i mean we have that dimension to the music and you're hoping that people that it will make people think so when it does, that's great. So I just find that, I mean, it's hard to believe, but it's yeah, it's great. And obviously, when I write the words and when we write the music, we have a we have an idea, and we know what it means. But that's not the essential thing, right? Now, something that you had mentioned, Nick, was doing this at the height of the pandemic and for you know a band your size it just seemed like it wasn't a very positive environment in the industry and you didn't think that it was going to come out was that the biggest challenge for you guys on this record or what was the biggest challenge on this record no you know what uh again you interview bands so you heard every cliche in the universe but i think the fact that we thought that it might not come out was actually what made this record great to us because we just didn't care we just did it for us no one talked about the record company no one talked about the a and r or radio or stuff like that so that that was a good thing i think the biggest melancholy in all that was that you know that thought or feeling about maybe we can't play anymore maybe we can't go on these tours that we used to go to maybe that's over because i mean we've been around uh most of the rock clubs in stockholm closed because the kids don't want to go to rock clubs anymore and you know you can reminisce and be sad and be a boomer about it but that's the way the world goes but it's sad you know when you spend so much time on it so i think that was um that was a bit scary because that's we don't play golf we play music right not like Alice Cooper, he does both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but does he does he do it with style though? Maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know. I've never actually watched I just him read play. an article about him and uh, it seems to me that uh, maybe if I can keep my politics and still play golf. Can I do that? I think you can. Is that allowed? I think it's allowed. Yeah. I, have, I, I don't have... I don't think I don't think golf is boring, do you? Yeah. I, I find it really good. Other than mini golf. I mean, playing it, not watching it. I would never do that. But. Oh, yeah. No, playing it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, what I think. It's like fishing. It's like the the best thing a yeah. guy could do to spend all day doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So if I can go around with, uh, you know, go 18 holes with like uh, Mike Patton or something, that would be fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. Alice Cooper, too, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. Kid so, Rock, Kid Rock, can he come? He can bring his gun. Yeah, he could bring his gun and his Bud Light. Yeah. I didn't realize he felt so passionate about Bud Light of all beers. I, I don't know. I have this thing where I sometimes, you know, I, I used to live in, in California for a couple of years. And uh, so I have this weird fascination with their with life there and politics and everything. I don't know. It's like, it's better than TV. Um, but I'm just amazed of all these videos where people are destroying beer. And most of them are really rich. Mm-hmm. And I just want to call them up and say, hey, when you're rich, you don't really have to drink Bud Light. Right. Right. You, you, you could don't do, have to. You could do Stella. You can afford Stella now. Yeah. 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 In the glass with the, the swish thing for the for the foam. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if I've answered your question, but I tried. You did. You did. And I'm curious, you know, no one talked about the record company, the A&R or the radio. And, you know, you mentioned I've interviewed a lot of bands. I've heard all the cliches. Interestingly enough, that isn't one that really comes up a lot. It has, but it isn't really one that comes up a lot. But I have noticed that whenever somebody says, you know what? We didn't. We went into this record not caring about the management, not caring about the record company, not caring about the A and R. It always right. is the the what comes after that is, and it was the best record for it. Yeah. Why is that? Because you can only get my opinion. Now. I'm not a science scientist of these questions, but um, if you try to, uh, if you're the best tennis player in the world, and you're at the finals in in Wimbledon and you you just have to win because you know your dad whatever it just doesn't work when it's stuff like this that has to be honest and it's i mean this stuff is going to be on Spotify and Apple Music long before long after we're gone so i mean if you don't if you can't stand it yourself cuz i mean we've been in that situation before where the record company calls us back they've listened to the master and they say we love this album, but you need a radio track because otherwise we can't, you know, throw money at promotion and stuff. Uh, then, then you have to try to come up with a some sort of compromise. And it's good that we humans can compromise, but it's not the best art that comes out that way. You know, it's it's just not. Yeah. So I think we have to think about that all the time because we have to. We have to exist in this market that works in a certain way and no one can ever change it. And you need this and you need that. So sometimes you have to do that track. And and it's actually pretty tricky to do a radio track. The last album we did, we had this uh, song that was supposed to be the radio track and we were really happy about it. And that that's rare, you know. But I have a very good friend, a very old friend that hates our music because he's really hardcore and uh, he only listens to metal and you know so every time i try to do a radio track i send it to him and if he comes back telling me that that's the worst piece of music he's ever heard in his fucking life then i know i have a radio track right <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how yeah. we do it but, but yeah but i mean I, I think you leave something out there to be judged by others and if you have that feeling that you can't really stand by it all the way, that's a nightmare. 
Yeah. And people start writing reviews and stuff, and you you know you have those two tracks in there that you didn't want to put in there. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The two tracks you didn't want to put in there. Now, something you had mentioned, Nick, earlier on was, um, you know, about lyrics and themes. And obviously fans want to create, you know, their own own versions of it. Um, kind of always happened. I remember watching a video of John Lennon talking to somebody and he's like, no, I didn't write that song about you. I don't know you. How How is that even possible? <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, what went into the themes on this particular record from you? Well, height of the pandemic, you know, that was the scenery. It's called the desolation years. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to kind of put that together when you know these things. But um, we live in a pretty strange world. And uh, the way we organize life in this strange world gives you a lot of um, workable material. (laughs) There's a lot of strange stuff going on. Uh, And uh, we, we are the kind of musicians that come from a world where you know we don't do happy music we're not happy we're funny we're ironic but very few of us are happy you know so that's why it comes out like this i mean uh the stuff that we deal with in in these songs are pretty serious stuff but it's also a bit distant you know right it's I, I like writing uh, that way from the perspective of someone who doesn't really know all this stuff. You know, that classic thing where an alien lands on planet Earth and just takes off his glasses and are like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, It's because his glasses are off. If you put his glasses back on, yeah, he'd, yeah. Be, he'd be able to see how much sense we, we make. Of course. Yeah. And a person born in the 70s would tell him that instantly. Yeah. <laughs> was there any gear on the record that you used that was either new or super cool or surprised you? Yes, I would have to say yes. Uh, and this is a bit sensitive because I've been, um, I'm going to tell you a story about guitar stuff. And, and it's an area in which I have completely changed my mind. I was proven wrong. And that's uh, it's a difficult thing to say for a man. Especially a guitar player. I know. I am. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, we've been uh, kind of exclusively using orange amplification gear throughout our career. We love that stuff. We use it all the time and we still do. And uh, uh, disclaimer, we're endorsed, everything. I mean, it's just, we use that. And during this pandemic recording, the way we recorded, it was difficult to have all that gear moved through these locations and stuff because we didn't we didn't have time or the possibility to do it in a studio for like three weeks so we did it all over the place and a friend of mine told me that well, if you take your orange rigs and you profile them into a kemper or an axe effects or whatever no a kemper this was a kemper yeah it will you won't be able to tell the difference and i was like Fuck you. I know that I will hear the difference because I know this stuff. (laughs) The high end is a little more brittle if you listen close enough. But in a mix, you can, I guess, fix that or it doesn't. I guess it just doesn't matter in a mix. But they're 
Yeah, a little more high end, a little more brittle sounding. Yeah. Anyway, I did it. Started bringing the orange rig with me, but in a digital format, and we recorded it. I did that profile with the the microphone that I use and the cabinet that I use, so it was my sound. And then I did it, and I I wasn't sure I didn't like it, so I brought the two by twelve the the cabinet with me, and I just turned off the cabinet in the digital thing, and then I recorded it the usual way, but without the amplifier. But it was the amplifier only, you know, mm-hmm. and it sounded absolutely great. So that was, I mean, <laughs> this story doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was a big deal for me because I was always like, I was treating those things like the Antichrist, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, IK Multimedia has the Tone X now that is a software that you could take your um, your laptop with you now instead of having to bring a Kemper profile around with you. There's the Quad Cortex that is like, yeah. you know, smaller pedal form. And then obviously the Kemper has been around for ages. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that if, you know, we've been using real amps forever, like, I mean, I'm, this thing's going to suck the soul out of my amp and I'm not going to notice. But evidently it worked. Does that change your workflow going forward? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually imagine that it would but it just adds another dimension because now when someone tells me that because i wouldn't do it with a generic rig in a camper but since i know you know in the back of my head that this is actually my amp that that's the difference for me because i didn't buy a random amp off the internet you know a file a wave file that i recorded someone recorded something i'm not saying that those are bad but for me i just want to use my amp when i do these records um so I'm guessing that it's going to add another dimension to whenever we want to record again. I know that if someone tells me like, hey, I've got the afternoon off in the studio, want to come and lay some of the guitar tracks. I can just, it's not a hassle anymore. I can just do it. I think that's great. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's and if someone calls and says, can you fly in and do this festival? You know, we don't need Orange to send trucks with amps and stuff. We can just you know, be a bit kinder to the environment and just because we still have to go there and that that's one thing, but we can just have that thing right. and do it. But if we go on tour and we're going to be away for three weeks, we're going to take our stuff like we always did. So adding a dimension, making it a little bit easier. I'm, I'm guessing that's the point of all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. More to come, but let's go ahead and check in with our beautiful sponsors. Two Mads responsible for producing, mixing, and mastering some of the best metal for over the last 20 years. From Meshuggah to The Haunted to Poison Black, Kemper Profiler packs for guitar players, and Easy Drummer expansion packs for programming drums. Two Madsen can take your production to a level previously unheard. Head over to twomadsen.com. That's twomadsen.com. T-U-E-M-A-D-S-E-N. Click contact, fill out the info for your next project, and let Two know that the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. Wormhole Death is a modern record label, publishing, and film production company born in 2008. Getting signed to this label means global distribution, publishing, and marketing with Wormhole Death's roster of global partnerships. Head over to wormholedeath.com. That's wormholedeath.com. Submit your band and let them know the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. Nick, how would you define success at this stage of your career? Um, wow, that was so hard. We, we started this band without ambition we 
started every other band in our lives with ambition. And that all went to shit. And this band we started honestly without ambition. And then things started happening. That should tell you something. Um, we've always been happy when people listen to our music and people keep booking us on shows, on tours. And we've done lots of uh, supporting act tours and our own tours. And for us, that was success and is still success. We know we're not going to be, you know, Foo Fighters or Guns N' Roses, whatever band you think is really cool. But so for us, it's just, uh, can we do music? Can we make music? Can we have people listen to it? And can we go play it live? Because playing it live is, uh, I, I can't speak for all rock bands, but I would say, I would guess 90% or above, it's the live shows. That's the thing. That's where you live. That's what you live for. So for us, just being you know, getting into that van, and taking that trip around Europe, it's mostly Europe, that's success. You know, people going into a room at 10 o'clock at night in, I don't know, Berlin. I mean, we're Swedes and we're in Berlin and there's like 400 people there that bought a ticket to see us. That's weird. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, again, I go to these shows all the time. I don't think it's weird to buy a ticket and go see a great band. I just think it's weird when people think that we're that band. Yeah. So for me, for me and for us, that's success. Very cool. Very cool. Very good to hear it. Yeah. Uh, the only other question I had, um, sort of off the cuff, just because I didn't see it in, in the EPK or any information from the record label, was just, you know, was there a producer that you worked with? Um any kind of like mixing or mastering engineer, some some other extraneous member to the band uh, that maybe is yeah. is worth you know asking. What was it like to work with? Bloop, but I don't have that information. Yeah, we did that in the past. Uh, producers uh, last album we did would work with a guy called Dan Daniel Bergstrand, who uh, has worked a lot with In Flames and uh, Mashuga and these. And uh, he thought it would be fun to do softer music. Um, and that turned out really well. Uh, but this time we said, no producer. We've been doing this for so long. We know exactly what we want to do. Let's just skip that part and just do what we want to do as good as we can do it. But having that said, uh, we work with a guy called Sebastian Forslund, who is a great mixer. And when we have done the recordings, we send the stuff to him and then we tell him to mix it. We don't give him any input. We don't tell him what to do. And we tell him, if you get an idea, if you want to cut something out, if you want to add a fucking tambourine, or if you want to, you know, fry the guitar solo, whatever, do it. So he becomes like the fifth element, you know, because we, he's really talented and we don't tell him what to do. We accept what he does. So we get that extra dimension that way. Because honestly, today you can change so much after the fact that coming from where we're coming from with you know the budgets we have and stuff, getting a great producer, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And asking people to work for free, it's just insane. So 
this i mean i can't i can't say what you know anyone else thinks about it but we were really happy with this record this record sounds the way we intended it to sound and that's a good feeling then if people like i mean we got some pretty good reviews so we're happy there are people out there in the world that actually agrees with us but um yeah that's a pretty good way of doing it i think i mean great producers will will always have work so we're not cutting out the middleman or anything because uh, you know rick rubin wasn't available that's a shame just an yeah absolute shame but uh yeah that's so i yeah sebastian and he he actually i can plug he actually plays in a band called the night flight orchestra yep which is a great band yeah and you want to know who was on my mind last time i chatted with bjorn about the night flight orchestra he said what made the night flight orchestra so fun was that they weren't worrying like they would in soil work yeah they were just coming together him and david and saying I like this music. You like this music. Let's just yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell you can tell when you watch the Night Flight Orchestra that they're having fun. Right now, they're not in a very fun place because David actually regrettably passed away. Right. So uh, that was a that was tough because a lot of us in this little community that we have, we kind of grew up together. And we've been, you know, known each other for a long time. And that's why we keep the collaboration within the extended family. Um, but yeah, you can tell when the Nightflight Orchestra do their thing, you can tell that they're trying to have fun. And I think um, we have this beef going on in this community about whether or not humor belongs in music. And uh, I think that's something that you can probably devote a whole podcast episode two but i think it does i don't like slapstick i don't know i don't like people you know dressing in funny clothes and making a rock video and that kind of humor i don't like but i think witty lyrics and uh, irony and the uh, critique of society all, all that stuff in a funny format absolutely like the foo fighters we've mentioned them and they do slapstick music videos i don't like it <laughs> Suicide Silence. I just chatted with them. They were they said they were inspired by the Foo Fighters and they make slapstick videos because of the Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah. And as I said, this is like um this is a divider. Mm -hmm. There are some people, if you talk to uh, our fine neighbors, the Norwegians, they're very serious. Oh, so serious. When they do their black metal and stuff. Yeah. No humor. I mean, have you been to Finland? They 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 yeah. like monotone, man. I am so happy to be here. Are you? Yes. Yes. Thank you. It's weird because the Finns, the Finns are like, I mean, we, the Swedes, we're depressed because of the sun and all that. We are depressed people. We are, our history is reeked with genocides and fucking Viking atrocities and stuff like that. Yeah. But the Finns, they are constantly on top of the ha happiest people on earth in when they do these things yeah but when you go to finland you never notice no so i'm thinking something's wrong there but i'm just saying no don't do slapstick in my book but uh keep your humor man yeah don't do slapstick keep your humor what is the number one thing you would like people to do who are listening to the podcast right now because of um 
the insane state of the vinyl business. There is no record to pick up at this point. You will have you will have to wait with that. Um, I mean, obviously, it's great if you uh, listen to the music and stuff, but I would probably use my 15k of fame and because i have this motto in my life which is obviously in swedish but if i translated it it would be something like just get your shit together uh, so i'm telling you now audience get your shit together it's not that hard it really isn't bar is pretty low don't be an asshole that's it pretty much Okay. You don't need a constitution. You don't need 22 fucking amendments. You just need to don't be an asshole. Pretty simple. Stick your hands down your pants and face the music. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Stick your hands down your pants and face the music. Yeah. As you can tell, I'm not a philosopher. No, no, clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody listening in, go ahead and head over to the rockmetalpodcast.ca. There you can get the transcript for today's audio, music videos from Hong Fo, as well as ways to connect with Hong Fo. So, Nick, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Very happy to be here. Take care. That's it for this episode of the Rock Metal Podcast. Stay tuned because next week we're going to be chatting with Yerke69 of the band The 69 Eyes. They broke out of their regular production structure to try something new and we get into how successful it's been for their latest album. Go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast player, share it with your friends, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>